This is Talk Radio 96.7, and if you're ready to talk some sports, we are too. It's the Ozone. The Ozone with Ronnie O and Coach Joe. The Ozone brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors of Lakeland, turning scrap metal into cash. Ronnie O is on assignment, so he is out. The Coach Joe is in. I always have to wait for you to point at me first. <laughs> the guy came in just, I jumped in a little, you know, I jumped in a little soon tonight, Eric, because I'm just that excited. It's not because Ronnie's not here, you know. I mean, yeah, we actually miss him when he's gone. If you're wondering, he's in Texas. He's uh, there for Saturday's Texas A&M against the Gators college football game, Saturday at noon, pregame at 9 o'clock on uh, FM 107.1 WONN, our sister station, so keep an eye out for that, your ear out for that. But anyway, you're wondering, hey, it's Thursday, why is Ronnie already in Texas? Eric, apparently he wanted to uh, take a side trip to San Antonio. He wants to see if he can remember the Alamo. Yeah, I would say don't forget the Alamo. <laughs> yeah, he's going to try to remember it. And, and you know, we kid, but uh, I, I never had a re- real good chance, and I really mean to, as soon as he gets back, to thank him for his service in that great battle. So, you know, when I, absolutely, <laughs> want to make sure to, to do that. So we'll Keep miss up him. the fair work, Ron. <laughs> yeah, if he's listening out there, thank you, sir. <laughs> we salute you here at the Ozone. But we're we're going to have a lot of fun tonight. We got a really great show because this is one of the great weekends in sports, Eric. There's so many things going on. Sometimes it's hard to know where to begin exactly. Okay, uh, so where do we begin? Well, you know, let me just talk about uh, that. The World Series. Uh, is on this weekend it's going to be decided who wins major league baseball uh nascar has its championship race in phoenix holly kane's out there now we're we're uh we're in touch with her she won't be able to be with us tonight but she's going to uh track everything down and uh, hopefully bring uh bring home a win for joey logano but that's my own personal <laughs> preference and uh i do want to talk to her about about that when we have her on the show next time about that incredible i've never seen anything like it i don't know if you you caught it eric this move that Ross Chastain, a good friend of the show, made uh, not to win last week in Martinsville, but to finish fifth, which was a big deal because by finishing fifth, he passed Denny Hamlin to be fourth place in the standings, in the cup standings. And the top four in the cup standings are the four racers in this week's uh, NASCAR race that have the opportunity to win the cup. So he snuck in at the last minute with a move that's straight out of a video game. What he did was... Uh, needing to pass a whole bunch of people on the last lap, he just decided not to steer anymore and to floor it. And, of course, that sends the car, on the, when it hits a turn, it sends the car wide into the wall, but he just kept the, the pedal to the metal. The wall caught the car, and the centrifugal, the centrifugal, how do you pronounce that word? The centrifugal. Centripetal. It's okay. centripetal force. Oh. Uh, You're thinking of centrifugal force. The force of the wall. (laughs) May the force be with you. The force of the wall just carried him at a speed a good 50 miles an hour faster than everybody else who was racing on the track and on past to the finish line, passed about five extra cars. Now, the problem with that move is it destroyed the right side of his car, but the race was over, so it worked out. <laughs> it, it, it's, if you haven't had a chance to see it online, I, I really strongly suggest you look at that. So that's happening. Baseball is happening this weekend. We had a, per, uh, a no-hitter, combined no-hitter by the Houston Astros last night. Game five tonight with the Philadelphia Phillies. By the way, Houston leads one nothing. They're still in the first inning. A winner of this game gets to go up 3-2. to two. The last two games are going to be in Houston on Saturday and Sunday, so that'll be decided this weekend. MLS will be decided this weekend. 
Uh, we're going to be talking later with Ryan Thompson. He's not only going to get us ready for that, he's going to get us ready for the World Cup. Uh, Eric, we're only a couple of weeks away from the World Cup. Can you believe it? World Cup. Yeah. But before we do all that, this is peak college football season. You know how, how in the fall they have peak leaf season, you know, uh, with, when the colors are, are at the best. November is peak college football season. And uh, the only way we can get you ready for what's going to come up over the next five or six weeks in college football is to bring in the most knowledgeable person in the country, on the planet, really, about college football. And that's Mike Eugenin of On3.com. He's going to join us after the break. So we're going to look forward to that. We're going to have a huge night here. Uh, call us 682-1430 or email us at ozone at hallradio.net, O-Z-O-N-E at hallradio.net. Got a very easy sports quiz question coming up related to baseball. That's coming up a little bit later in the show. Uh, Ryan Thompson coming up a little bit later in the show, who, by the way, was honored by the University of Tampa recently. We'll talk about that as well. But coming up next, Mike Huguenin from On3.com is going to tell us everything we need to know about college football. Coming up after the break here in the Ozone, Coach Joe here on Talk Radio 96.7 WLKF. This is Jackie Patton, Captain High's soccer player and varsity place kicker. You're listening to Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone. Ozone, oh yeah. The Ozone with Ronnie O and Coach Joe brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors of Lakeland. Coming up on Saturday night. FSU Seminoles travel to Miami to play the Hurricanes. Big FSU-Miami rivalry. 5.30 pregame, 7.30 kickoff right here on Talk Radio 96.7 WLKF. Coach Joe in the Ozone. You know, that, that these rivalry games are, are one of the reasons that November is peak college football season. There is so much going on in college football, so many issues. I can't keep up with it all. I'm physically unable to. In fact, there's nobody who can keep up with all of the things that are going on in college football except for one person. There is only one person on this planet who's kept up with everything going on in college football right now. And thankfully, he's joining us on the show. And that's, of course, On3.com, National Executive Editor and College Sports Writer, Mike Huguenin. Mike, we're so, we need you now more than ever, man. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I always enjoy it. Well, it's, it's great talking to you again. You know, there's so many things to talk about with college football. Uh, why don't we start with the easy one? The, uh, the, the first college football playoff poll has come out. Surprisingly, that Tennessee's ranked number one? Yeah, that that didn't surprise me. I I think what was the fact that Clemson was ahead of Michigan, um, I I don't know why that's the case. And I also think that TCU got short-shrifted being at number seven. That did not not surprise me, but it's still, I think, frankly, if you're TCU, considering who's ahead of you, TCU can go 13-0 and they're going to be left out of the playoff. I think that's a distinct possibility if they go unbeaten. What's well, also a possibility uh, is that Georgia wins this weekend against Tennessee and that Tennessee, uh, with, without a difficult regular season schedule the rest of the way, wins out and goes to the playoff. In fact, that's almost a, a, a sure likelihood, isn't it? I think so. I think the potential exists for two SEC and two Big Ten teams. Because I don't see anybody beating Michigan or Ohio State unless it's the other team, which means it's an 11-1 and regular season. And the same with, with Tennessee. If they lose to Georgia, they ain't losing again. Um, and in that scenario, I think they become gigantic Georgia fans because they do not want Alabama to beat Georgia in the SEC title game. 
Um, so yeah, there's and, you know is how you know I mentioned Clemson before. I think if you look at Clemson, uh, look at the teams ahead of them, the three teams ahead of them in the playoff ranking, and the two and the three teams right behind them: Michigan, Alabama, TCU. Frankly, add two more teams: Oregon and Southern Cal. Um, Clemson's offense compared to those other eight teams, it's not close. Now their defense is national caliber, national title caliber. Uh, I would argue that their offense is sort of cheese at bowl caliber. So, um, and and it's, it, it, Clemson and North Carolina both can clinch division titles in the ACC this weekend. That's almost surely going to be the ACC title game. Um, but yeah, it's 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 we still got a lot of football to play. Obviously, four regular season weekends plus championship weekend, um, and there's a lot of what ifs that can be discussed. Yeah, North Carolina seven and one, all the way down at seventeen. Seventeen. They lost to Notre Dame. That's their one loss. Clemson at Notre Dame this weekend in South Bend. So that will be interesting. Six teams right now undefeated. However, George, two of them, Georgia and Tennessee, playing this weekend. Uh, do you have a feeling on who's going to win? I, you know, I, I think this is going to be a, a high-scoring game. I, oh, yeah, Georgia's defense is obviously extremely talented. Um, Tennessee's offense has been almost unstoppable at times this year. Um, now that they have Cedric Tillman back, you put Tillman and Hyatt on the same side of the field, uh, that's, man, that's, that's a scary sight for opposing defenses and opposing defensive coordinators. I, I think the crowd in Athens is going to be um, extremely revved up, um, tough place to play, and I also think Georgia can do some things quite easily against Tennessee's defense. I think Brock, you know, Brock Bowers tore up Florida last week. I think he's going to do the same to Tennessee. I think it's a 45-42, 42-38 kind of game. I do think Georgia wins, but, man, that eight-point spread to me is way too high. That does sound pretty pretty high, yeah, and, and definitely Bowers was, was amazing. He was a one-man wrecking crew in, in that game. I was actually in Jacksonville um, for, for that game. I hadn't gone to that many. Uh, I, I actually like being at the sports bars uh, on Saturday so I can have as many screens as possible in front of me. Uh, how, how do you watch games on Saturday, Mike? Yeah, I was I, curious about that. Generally, I, I used to cover games. It's, it's difficult if you're in a press box to, to pay attention to anything but the game you're attending. So sit at home, watch uh, three TVs and the computer going. But, um, yeah, I, I, as you know, I went to Florida. Um, and when I was in school, Georgia went 4-1 and one against Florida. And then <laughs> you, you make that just horrible walk of shame after the game uh, because Georgia fans are not the most gracious winners. <laughs> no, they're not, and they're, they're still not. Uh, as I found, I don't I don't go as often anymore. But uh, they uh, they were they were just definitely full of themselves, and uh, they just try to get to the car quickly in that situation. But it's still fun to go to Jacksonville, and hopefully they're not. They're, that is just that normal yearly talk about taking the game away from Jacksonville. Yeah, it does seem like you know there's only three neutral site games left, and as with a lot of stuff in college football tradition doesn't matter anymore. Um, but I think one thing that, that both athletic departments pointed out, and most significantly the Georgia AD, they make, we make, his point was we make a lot of money when the game is in Jacksonville. We know every year we're going to continue to make at least that much, and then when we play road games, we don't make anything close to that. 
Um, and it's actually, fine from a financial standpoint, much better for both teams when the game is in Jacksonville. And also, it keeps your fan base happy because, let's say you're a Florida fan and they're playing, the Gators are playing in Athens or vice versa. Uh, you know, I've been to Florida, Georgia for 30 years in a row. What do you mean I can't get tickets? What do you mean you only have 8000 to sell? So that's another aspect that I think that, you know, Kirby Smart um, cares – yeah, he has one reason for wanting the game in Athens, and that's that's recruiting reasons. Um, I can come up with 99 other reasons to keep the game in Jacksonville, and I think most fans can as well. Yeah, that's uh, that's what I think is the consensus right now. We know it'll be there next year, that's for sure. You, you know, speaking of uh, the games uh, that are coming up this week, Mike, uh, one that we haven't mentioned, but uh, two top 10 teams, Alabama at LSU. Alabama 7-1, and LSU 6-2. and Still within mathematical sight of a playoff spot if they make a run. LSU playing very well right now. Alabama up and down. Uh, how do you see that game? Yeah, I th- Alabama, um, it, it, they're better than LSU. And LSU has played extremely well the last two weeks. Um, they put up a boatload of yards against Florida's defense. Uh, that's not hard. Um, I think they're going to find it ex- a lot more difficult on Saturday against Alabama's defense. And one thing LSU has not done well this year, they have not protected the passer. So my presumption is that Will Anderson and some other Alabama defenders are going to get to greet Jaden Daniels personally four or five times. And I, I think Alabama's going to win. But that you got to give Brian Kelly credit for a team that looked horrendous in the opening game. Um, they've righted the ship, and they're playing pretty well, and they're going to have a really good recruiting class. I want to ask you, Mike, about a handful of teams that aren't going to win the championship this year. And uh, there's different situations with each one, but they're all sort of rebuilding in their own way. Uh, let's start with FSU and Miami. They're playing each other. Uh, which of those two teams is in better shape? Oh, F- Florida State. Um, you know, two of the big three in Florida have new coaches, um, Florida and Miami, obviously. And the reason they have new coaches is the previous coaches failed in a lot of areas, most notably recruiting. Um, if you look at the Miami defense that's put on the field every Saturday and you're a longtime Miami fan, you hang your head in shame because the corners aren't very good, the safeties are really good in run support, they're not good in pass coverage, the linebackers are just sort of their guys. Um, the defensive line has some talent. A lot of that talent, though, is from the transfer portal. Um, the wide receiver core um, is extremely uneven. The offensive line has struggled big time. Injuries are one of the reasons, but I also think part of the reason is a lot of these guys aren't that good. And the offensive coordinator, I would argue, Josh Gaddis, um, when Tyler Van Dyke was healthy, I'm not sure Josh Gaddis took full advantage of what Tyler Van Dyke can do, and that's throw the deep ball. Um, and, and for whatever reason, they weren't really doing that early on. But, yeah, Miami's is not good. Um, no, I expect them to play hard on Saturday, if nothing else. And I'll say this also. If FSU loses to this Miami team, I think it's fair to wonder if Mike Norvell is the right guy because this is not a good Miami team at all. Well, that question's being asked uh, in some parts of Texas, apparently, about uh, Jimbo Fisher. 
in Texas A&M has had a disappointing season. They host the Gators this week. You talk about bad defense. We're in a yeah. third straight year where we're talking about how bad the Gators' defense is. Now, Billy Napier, uh, people want to question his play calling, his tactics, and so forth. But he was he was brought in to rebuild uh, what was let to rot in Gainesville as far as recruiting and so forth. Especially, you can see that now with the uh, thin defense that, that the Gators have. Of the two, those two teams, which is in better shape at the moment and uh, as far as the future going forward? Well, I think Texas A&M is, is the better team this year, though I will say that the, the offense under Fisher, um, you know, for, for a guy who made his bones as a quarterback whisperer of sorts, his quarterback play ever since he's been at Texas A&M has been adequate at best. Um, it, the, the offense is not very cutting edge. I think it was Aaron Murray, the former Georgia quarterback, who said, I think it was on radio, that you look at film, game film from like 2012 and 2013 in FSU, and you look at, T- at Texas A&M this year, there's a lot of the same facets. And that's, that's, an, that's, that's an indictment of Fisher. I don't think he's adapted near fast enough to the way college football offenses are played now. And this, as for Florida, the same thing with Cristobal. Cristobal is a recruiting demon, so is Napier. And, you know, I, I keep hearing from friends of mine who are Florida fans, well, you know, Florida's got all these four and three, you know, these four-star recruits on defense. Why isn't the defense better? Well, that's because they were four-star recruits three or four years ago. These dudes can't play. And just because you were a highly talented recruit doesn't mean you're a good college football player. And as you pointed out, if you've watched these same defensive players play for the last three years, you have to know these guys are not very good. They're not true SEC caliber starters. So that's the, there's a reason Florida wants to sign six or seven defensive linemen, and there's a reason Florida will sign at least six, probably seven defensive backs. Those areas are extremely weak, um, both in who they have on the roster and in depth. I think the offense has been not that bad considering the lackluster receiving core. Uh, I think the offensive line has done some good things. The running backs are solid. Anthony Richardson is Mr. Inconsistent. I get that. But, you know, a lot of, a lot of scorn and criticism being directed toward Cristobal and Napier I would argue you could have Vince Lombardi resurrected and these teams would still be bad. <laughs> the uh, defender the Gators didn't get that Miami did, Cormani McLean. Uh, how big a blow is that recruiting-wise? On3.com, of course, the leading source if you want for your recruiting news uh, online. Uh, and Mike, so M- McLean, so some people panicked. Is it a panic situation or just you know, I don't you necessarily think it's a panic situation, though. I, I think the bigger panic situation is those of us who are old enough to remember that Polk County was a was fertile Gator recruiting area, and it really has not been for a while. I know Zipper went to Lakeland High, Ventrell Miller's a Lake Gibson guy, or maybe it's a Kathleen guy. I just know he's from Lakeland. But in the old days, there were there always seemed to be four or five or six kids from Lakeland slash Polk County on the roster, and and, and Lloyd Summerall's there too. But I mean, the the big Recruits from Polk always seem to go to UF. That has, that has gone by the wayside. I don't think there's any doubt but that NIL is playing a factor in recruiting these days. Um, but I would say also Florida's recruiting class in the secondary is still going to be an extremely good one. 
with McLean, it may have been the best in the nation. Um, they're, they're still doing a good job at defensive back. But, again, I think if I'm a Florida fan, the, yes, losing McLean, that's, that's a blow. But the bigger picture to me is why isn't Florida recruiting as well as they used to in Polk County overall? You were talking about coaches getting criticized. One who's not going to get criticized anymore because he got fired, Brian Harson at Auburn. So now what? Yeah, Harson was, you know, was that movie Dead Man Walking? Yeah, it was I mean, his least as surprising news of the day. As all that stuff happened back in February, it, it, it was a foregone conclusion that Harson was going because this was not a good team, and it's it's not a good team. Did you have um, Scott Frost I, or Brian Harson going first as the coach fired this year? Yeah, that, that's sort of the that's the weirdest thing. He has been fired, but he was not the first, exactly. Um, they do have a new athletic director, John Cohen, from Mississippi State, and he left Mississippi State even though he had recently signed an extension. And the NIL aspect is huge because I think he, well, he, he knows that Auburn has more NIL money than Mississippi State does. Bigger booster group, a lot more big, big money financial guys willing to spend money at Auburn in the athletic department. So, um, you know, the same usual suspects. You always hear, oh, you know, any job comes open, oh, Lane Kiffin. Yeah. Any job comes <laughs> open, oh, Hugh Freeze. I don't think John Cohen will hire Hugh Freeze. Um, there was a lot of bad blood when Freeze was at Ole Miss with Mississippi State, and John Cohen was the AD. I think so Freeze I, just I got himself a big extension at Liberty, I don't think that's going to happen. But, you know, Kiffin is not enamored with the, the small-town life from a lifestyle standpoint. You know, <laughs> going from Oxford to Auburn, huh, that's not going to solve that problem. <laughs> um, now, can you get better players at Auburn? Yes. Um, would he like to be able to poke an even bigger thumb in saving God? Yeah, I think so, too, and you can do that at Auburn. But it, uh, Auburn, you know, for all the dysfunction there, and it, I don't think there's an athletic program that's more dysfunctional than Auburn's in the entire country. And no, no matter who they hire, there's going to be a faction of that fan base who's or the booster group that's, that's ticked. And I, I can't use stronger words, but they're going to be ticked. They could hire Nick Saban, and you'd have somebody at Auburn going, why are we hiring a guy who's from Alabama? So it, it's, it's going to be a difficult situation, but the recruiting base is solid. The NIL part is solid. The tradition there is really good. And, oh, by the way, you're going to make seven and a half or eight million bucks a year, too. So they're, they're going to get a good coach. Um, but that is a difficult job because of the dysfunctional athletic department. Well, for, sh- for sure. Uh, one thing that seems to be functioning pretty well right now, the Big 12, a huge new TV deal with ESPN and Fox. Where does that leave the Pac-12? Are they the odd conference out now? Are they, are they going to slowly fade away from memory, or is there still hope there out west? I think there's hope, but the, the, the Big 12 TV deal did catch a lot of folks off guard, and we wrote a bunch of stuff last year, um, especially after they announced those four new teams coming in, and we talked to a bunch of people that are involved in TV negotiations, and they basically said, this is not a way to make more money. Well, they did. And the weird thing is that in a couple years, UCF will be making more money from the Big 12 TV deal than Miami, FSU, and Clemson, for instance, are making from the ACC TV deal. And that's a sobering thought, especially if you're FSU, Miami, and this Clemson. Um, the Pac-12, I think, is in better straits than people think as long as Oregon and Washington stay on board. 
Um, it'll be interesting to see. Gonzaga evidently feels the need to align its basketball program with a different league, um, and, the, and the Pac-12 makes sense from that standpoint. So Gonzaga playing Pac-12 basketball, uh, I know they've also talked to the Big 12. The Pac-12 makes more sense. That makes a, a Pac-12 basketball deal, hey, that's pretty good. you got Gonzaga in there now, so that will help. Um, but I still think as long as Oregon and Washington are in the Pac-12, um, that league is going to remain relevant. Um, the, the TV deal, though, the Big 12, Brett Yormark, the new commissioner, man, he, that's a master stroke. He must be an incredible negotiator. Incredible indeed. And, uh, hey, it's incredible having you on, Mike. The next five or six weeks are going to be incredible. We'll yeah. have you on again soon to talk some more about it, especially as we get closer to signing day. Uh, Mike Eugen, and it's on3.com, O-N, the number three, dot com. And uh, uh, you can you can check them out, right? It's a great site, Mike. Appreciate it, man. Always enjoy being on with you, Joe. Mike, good talking to you. You take care. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks very right. much. Thanks. Uh, that's Mike Huguenin of On3.com, really one of the great writers in the country and an incredible expert on college football, knows everything there is to know. And it's just one, absolutely amazing to talk to him. Hey, we got another person that's going to be amazing to talk to, Ryan Thompson, coming up next. But first, we're going to take a break and then come back with Ryan Thompson here in the Ozone with Coach Joe. Talk Radio 96.7 WLKF. Hi. Frank Viola, 87 World Series MVP and 88 American League Cy Young Award winner, and you're listening to Ronnie Ocean in the Ozone. Ronnie O, Coach Joe, in the Ozone. The Ozone, brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors of Lakeland. They turn scrap metal into cash. Ronnie O's out. Coach Joe's in. Hey, you know what's very rare uh, in sports? Uh, right now in the World Series, it's one to one in Game Five, Houston and Philadelphia, uh, heading into the bottom of the second inning. But you know, tonight, Philadelphia and Houston are playing each other in football as well. <laughs> it's uh, that's very rare. The two teams, two cities facing off. Now that game's in Houston. The Texans leading uh, the Eagles right now, seven to nothing. That's still in the first quarter. Uh, we'll keep you updated on that throughout the evening. Uh, but now we have to turn to something that's rare as well. The United States is back in the World Cup. It's been eight years, eight years. Uh, you know, Eric, the, we, we started talking about the World Cup during the first time I ever did the show. That's how, And with the U.S. playing Germany, it was one of the games. I think it was my third show in. But that's how rare it is. And uh, we need to talk about that. what's going on with that. And we, there's only one person who can give us a good rundown of all things soccer right now, and that's our good friend. Uh, he is former Tampa Bay Rowdy, former uh, goalkeeper for the Jamaican national team, and uh, first Jamaican player to ever play in the Champions League. He is uh, got the Ryan Thompson Goalkeepers Academy. It's based in Austin. An incredible coach now after a great playing career. And a member of the University of Tampa Hall of Fame. I'm talking, of course, about Ryan Thompson. Ryan, my man, how are you? It's great having you on the show again. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Joe, man. Like, um, that introduction gave me goosebumps, man. So thank you. I appreciate it. Um, always a pleasure. Always a joy you know, coming on the show and just looking forward to our conversation, you know. I'm so looking forward to it as well. You know, you were inducted into the University of Tampa Hall of Fame a couple of weeks ago. We were preempted last week, so we didn't have a chance to have you on to talk about it. But uh, uh, I guess you're back in Austin now. That's ah, too bad. It would have been fun to hang out a little <laughs> bit when you were in town. But uh, University of Tampa Hall of Fame, congratulations. 
Thank you. Thank you very much. And uh, again, this is something that I'm like really, really honored to be a part of. You know, it's it's just the work that you do on on the field, off the field, in the community, and it's just you no, know, you know, you're getting a little recognition for it. Again, it's, it it feels good. I'm grateful for it because there's a lot of greats on that wall. And just to know that I've been to that institution and my name is there, man, I'm just very grateful for that opportunity, you know? Oh, yeah. And, of course, you're a Tampa icon. You used to play for the Rowdies. The Rowdies, by the way, uh, it's not we haven't talked about it at all, but they're, they're in the USFL Conference Championship this weekend. Yeah, they, they are, man. I think it's back-to-back. And since there, man, they've been doing an amazing job over the past few years with Neil Collins at, at the helm, you know, doing it. So the players are fighting for me because it's a clear, clear, like, camaraderie culture, you know, style of play on the field. And, you know, it, it, it is bearing fruit, man. There's something great going on in Tampa, man. Every, 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 every institution, every organization, every sports team seems to be doing amazing there, man. So, you know, kudos to the environment there as well. Oh, know? very much so. You know, in your uh, stomping grounds out in Austin, Austin uh, FC made it all the way to the conference <laughs> final before bowing to LAFC. Uh, it, they, I visited that stadium when I visited Austin, the one that they play in in Austin. It, it, it wasn't they weren't playing at the time, but I had a great time in the gift shop. That's for sure. <laughs> and, uh, incredible excitement hey, there, it, isn't it? It is an unbelievable, unbelievable stadium. Just the atmosphere, the energy. In a, when you think of soccer, you think of fun and you think of cheering and goals and just the the the, the, the ambience there. It's probably one of the best, in my opinion, in in the country, if not the world. So it's just great to be here, man. You know, to witness all of this, you know. Oh, for sure. You you know, there's such passion there, and and soccer can bring out such passion in the fans, no more so than in the World Cup. But MLS is really coming close. It's going to be a huge crowd in L.A. this uh, Sun Saturday for the championship, the MLS Cup championship game between LAFC and the Philadelphia Union, who beat NYCFC, New York City Football Club, in the Eastern Conference Final, thanks to an incredible save by uh, your protege, Andre Blake. <laughs> Can I call him that? Man, hey, listen, man. You taught Andre, him everything he knows. <laughs> I would love, to, I would love to believe that. I would love to believe that I'm part of that process. But nah, man, he's is in is well gifted. He's a great. He was a great teammate. Still a great teammate to his current teammates now. And the most important thing, man, like I, I turn my TV on every single day to watch him whenever there's games on. And he's just making saves, man. He's, not, he's making game-winning save after save. And for a goalkeeper to be performing at that level consistently, year in, year out, week in, week out, man, I, I got to take my hats off to him, and I'm very proud of him. You know, I'm very proud of actually Corey Burke as well, who came in and scored. You know, two former teammates of mine. Um, just great to see them representing their country, their team, their family, and themselves. Well, man, it's always a joy to see people fulfilling their dreams and living it out, man. And you know, Andre Blake is doing that, man. And again, I'm so proud of him, man. Not for to say I was, I was his teammate. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's, having him in goal. It gives uh, the Philadelphia Union a fighting chance uh, against LAFC, the high-scoring LAFC. I think he could stop Gareth Bale. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now listen, Andre Blake. You know, again, 
amazing, amazing goalkeeper. You know, you know, I think this game is going to be the best team, right? And both teams right now is showing that they're the best in their conference. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see come Sunday, you know, or Saturday, I think, which, whichever day it is, who's going to show up on the day. It's going to come out who, who makes the least amount of mistakes, which goalkeeper is on their A game, which, you know, pair of strikers out there who's going to take their chances. And, you know, these games always produce some some unsound errors, you know. So there will be somebody who we least expect is gonna who's gonna step up to the plate, and I think the team that has that person is is probably gonna win, man. But I'm excited to see it. Two different style of play, you know. Two amazing coach, coach, coaches, and two amazing teams. So it's a beauty of soccer, man. You never know what we'll get on the day, but I know it's gonna be you know a good battle between these two teams. I think it's the first time in MLS history. And you have two number one seed teams reaching the final. So it speaks a lot of what's going on and, and the, where the league is going right now, you know? Oh, I'm very impressed by it. And, and the excitement there is off the charts. But for the first time, World Cup in November, and this is going to be, I remember what it was like in 2010 and 2014. And people are going to go nuts if the U.S. men are able to do anything. They're finally back in the World Cup. And, you know, no, instead of arguing about politics around the Thanksgiving table this year, people are going to be arguing about who should be in uh, the goalkeeper for the U.S. men's national team. <laughs> now, I asked Alex, you know, uh, and she immediately said Matt Turner. Uh, now, a year ago, we would have probably said Zach Steffen. Uh, what, what, what do you think as far as who should or who do you think is likely to be a U.S. men's national team goalkeeper in the World Cup? You know, obviously, obviously, um, again, I, I want to see the U.S extremely well. You know, I want to go far in the tournament. I want I want all the great things to happen for the American national team because I do believe they have a lot of young talent that's, you know, that's doing well in their domestic league, you know, whether it be in England or here in America, Germany, you know, for the first time we have a lot of young players out there, right? And it is no difference to the goalkeeping department. You know, you have Turner, you have Ian Harvard, you know, you have um, you have um, Matt, uh, uh, Zach Stephens, and you also have Sean, Sean Johnson. Yeah, and a lot yeah. Of other young, he's very good you know, too. Yeah, you have a lot of young goalkeepers who's popping up, you know, in in the league. So in, uh, who just signed with Chelsea. So it's hard for me to say, hey, this goalkeeper should be in a goal. I, I genuinely believe whoever is playing the best at the moment should should be in the goal. And it's going to be a tough decision for Greg Berelte. But if I should have, if I have my say right now today, who should be in the goal? I'll probably go with Sean Johnson because he's the one that's playing week in, week out, and he seems to be playing with a lot of confidence. You know, you know, Turner is amazing. He's been probably the best goalkeeper overall for the team, but he's not playing very much. He he just played a couple of Europe Europa Cup games. And come World Cup, you want the goalkeeper who, who's seasoned, who's playing the most game, and is in form. And the only way you can know that is by someone who's playing. And Sean Jansen is playing more than every one of the goalkeepers right now. So I, I went, I, I went uh, um, a different path with this conversation, you know, but it's between Sean and, and Turner, in my opinion, right now. Uh, yeah, Zach Steffen and Matt Turner are playing over in England right now for their prof yes. professional teams over there. And you're right, they're not getting a lot of playing time. Matt Turner with Arsenal. I believe Zach Steffen's with Middlesbrough, if I remember right, on loan from Manchester yep. City. And Sean Johnson, though, has been playing with NYCFC, including that game 
uh, this past weekend against Philadelphia Union. And, which, and which he was outstanding. He did. You know, he, he was is, outstanding. Yeah. He was outstanding in the game. The games before. He's so he young. Was outstanding. <laughs> <Isn't> yeah. <he? laughs> uh, but there's but, a lot. There's a lot, man. There's a lot of good things going on in the world of soccer here in the U.S. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, one one more question about the U.S. team. Uh, do we desperately need to pray for the good health of Weston McKinney, or do, can can we survive without him if he's hurt, or do we have to have him to really have any chance to do anything? I think the U.S. national team performs so much better when you have Adams, Musa, and Weston in the midfield. So it's important that we have uh, LT Weston McKinney, you know, because. He's part of that trio that allows the U.S. national team to be the best they possibly can. There's a lot of athletic ability. There's a lot of technical ability with those three guys there. You know, and he frees up a lot of, you know, space for the likes of Pulisic, you know, and whoever the number nine is at the time. And then you have Tim- Timothy Weah out wide. You know, for me, those three in the middle allows everything else to function effective and efficient. So I would love to see uh, a healthy Weston McKinney. But Gio, you know, what about Gio Reina? What, what do you think of him? Yeah, it's, 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 I think he's amazing. I think he's an, a tremendous talent. And it's the same thing, you know, like, there's so much talented player. Aronson, you know, who's killing it over, you know, in, with Leeds as well. Uh, the U.S. is blessed with a lot of young talent right now, and, and Reina is unbelievable. I, I'm, I highly rate him. I think he has a lot to offer to the national team, and you know it's just exciting times ahead. You know he's been playing in Germany, I think, right? Yep, D- Dortmund, Borussia Dortmund. Dortmund, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's hard to keep up with it. That's why we need experts yeah, like was, you. <laughs> yeah, he was he was injured for a bit, came off injury, and now he's playing playing well. You know, just in time for the World Cup. So excited to see. As a matter of fact, I think next week Wednesday they're going to be announced in the squad. And you know, I'm sure everybody's going to be good to the TV, including me, just to see the players who make that list, you know. And I really hope Zach Stefan is there. Um, I really hope that Sean Johnson and, and Matt Turner is there. And, you know, I think those are our three best goalkeepers right now. We're definitely going to be uh, on edge waiting to hear uh, who Greg Berhalter puts on the roster. That comes out next Wednesday. The first, the World Cup starts Sunday, November 20th. On Monday, the 21st, the U.S. plays Wales in the first of the three group games. Uh, then they'll play again Friday against England, the same day as same time as the Gators and FSU. Ryan, I don't think I can handle that much emotion at one time, but uh, <laughs> watching the two games at the same time like that. And then they finish with Iran the following Tuesday, all out in Qatar. Uh, most of the games will be mid-afternoon, uh, given the time difference. So uh, make plans to watch this at home or, or, or at a sports bar somewhere. It's going to be really special. Uh, Ryan, thanks for, for helping us uh, understand everything a little bit better, and congratulations again on uh, the, the University of Tampa Hall of Fame. That is such a great honor, and you deserve it so much. It, you're really uh, a Tampa Bay icon, and we're so lucky, that, and we appreciate so much your friendship and having you on the show, and, and I appreciate everything you did for Alex over the years, and best to you and your family. Thank you. Thank you, Coach Showman. Say hello to Alex Summerman, and it's, again, it's always a joy and pleasure for me to, to, to come and share some conversation, you know, you know, with you and the family. So, again, much love, much respect. And, uh, again, one thing, I was so happy that my mom was there at the Hall of Fame event. 
and she wasn't there for my graduation, so oh. I wanted to give her a shout out. You know, you know, she 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 really enjoyed it, and she gets to hear me speak and talk about her on her journey, which you know, you know, again, every pro, every mom is a proud moment for them, and I, I was just happy that she had, she got to experience that as well. So. That's wonderful. Oh, don't let me forget, RTG Academy, are you coming to the, uh, Tampa at all this December? Yes, the plan is to come to Tampa. I am still looking at location, you know, so if you know a penny, let me know. Um, and I would love to do something a little bit different instead of going down to um, USF this time or West Florida Flames. I would love to come on Lakeland side. So if you know anybody, you know, there that have a facility, would love to jump on a flight and, you know, come there and share some knowledge where we could inspire and motivate, you know, the, the, the next future generation and Zach Stephens and Hope Solas of the world and Bledsoe, you know, so um, that's our goal and objective, man. So, you know, if you know if anyone, let me know. Oh, if we can work that out, you have you in Lakeland, then you can be on the show in person. That would be terrific. <laughs> exactly. No, I would, I, would, I would love that. That would be a great trade-off right there, you know? <laughs> oh, for sure. And do uh, you still do a podcast? Yes, we are. We kind of so what, what happened? We kind of took a break now because with RTG, we're 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 looking to really build a, a, a well-functioning academy, you know. And so we're focusing a lot of the energy and the quality of the product that we're putting out on the field. And then we're going to revisit the podcast, you know, okay. in, a, in a in a more, you know, sophisticated, you know, authentic, you know, you know, a more something more that we could reach more people, you know? I understand, Ryan. Uh, and and it, it, when you do uh, get it going again, let us know. And uh, I'll talk to you, you know, I'll, I'll get in touch uh, with people I know in Lakeland, not that many, but I'll, I'll, I'll ask around a little bit and see if there's any possibility because it'd be wonderful to have you here. And it's so great having you on the show, Ryan. Gosh, we you. appreciate it so much. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Much respect every time. You know, say hello to the family. And we talk soon. Oh, absolutely, Ryan. Thanks for having for being on the show. We really appreciate having you here, uh, yeah. Ryan Thompson. Best of luck to you, man. What's that? Yeah, man. Show to the University of Tampa. Thank you, thank you, thank you for the recognition. <laughs> Love always. Go Spartans. <laughs> Go Spartans. <laughs> Thanks, Ryan. That's Ryan Thompson. Right. A great Ryan Thompson joining us here in the Ozone. Uh, we're gonna give away thirty dollars to the Lakeland Ale House, but not after the break. We're gonna do it right now, Eric. So get your dialing fingers ready, 682-1430. That's 682-1430. If you know the answer to this simple sports quiz question, brought to you by the Ale House at 5650 South Florida Avenue with 40 strategically located TVs and drink and meal specials every day. Hey, you know, Thursday is a prime rib special. I, I, you know, and it's, uh, it's great prime rib. And you, you need, it's even better when it's on special, but it's amazing on Thursdays. And that's just one example of the things you do. Yeah, uh, but let me ask the question now, and then I'll tell you what a wonderful place the Ale House is after that. Uh, last night, uh, Houston pitched a no-hitter against the Phillies in Game 4 to tie the series at two games apiece. It was a combined no-hitter with the start being by Christian Javier, who pitched the first six innings. After 97 pitches, they pulled him, and three relievers finished it. But it was a no-hitter. And it is only the second no-hitter in World Series history. Eric, they've been playing since 1903, and there's only been two no-hitters. Last night's, and in 1956, when Don Larson pitched a perfect game for the Yankees in 1956. So, for $30 to the Lakeland Ale House, 
Who did he pitch it against? Was it A, the Dodgers, B, the Giants, C, the Pirates, or D, the Cardinals? Who did Don Larson pitch his perfect game against when he was with the Yankees in 1956? 682-1430, and you can win $30 at the Lakeland Alehouse. Was it the Dodgers, the Giants, the Pirates, or the Cardinals? Give us a call. Come on. Uh, there's plenty of time left in the show. Not that much time, though, so give us a call. 682-1430. We want to give this away to the Alehouse. i got to tell you, Eric, uh, the last time I was at the Alehouse— this is how much I love the place. Uh, they take such good care of me there. This, in this particular occasion, it was Ashley who, who took care of me. I walk in, but i got to use the bathroom before I go to a table or do anything. I just walk straight towards the bathroom, but they see me. I wave. I say, hey. So after I get out of the bathroom, my drink is at my spot <laughs> waiting for me. <laughs> That's that's how good they take care of me there. And they, uh, they know you. They saw you coming. <laughs> I did. All I did was wave, and it was all good to go. By the time I got, I got there uh, a minute or two later. That's the kind of service you get at the alehouse. It's not just because, you know, I do go there a lot, mind you. But, but but even if you're new to the place, they will take good care of you, and and it's wonderful. And when you're talking about how much I love to watch games, and this is my time of the year when there's football on, and there's not just football on, but a lot of football on, uh, multiple games on uh, Saturdays, multiple NFL games on Sundays. I need a place like the Ale House where I can sit there, and in my viewing range, with just turning my head slightly, I can see eight games at a time. That, Eric, is it all right that that makes me happy? I mean, you know, some people that get happy by it. <laughs> some people get, you know, happy from a pretty sunrise or, you know, a walk in the in the woods or something. I I'm happy with eight TVs with football on in front of me that I can watch. I'm happier if there's eight games on than if there's one. <laughs> I like having to look at a bunch of games at once, even though it's almost impossible to keep up with them. It's just fun to try. Six eight two fourteen thirty. Six eight two fourteen thirty. Uh, to answer the question to, for the thirty dollars of the alehouse, Don Larson, the only other person to have a no hitter in the World Series besides the Astros team that did it last night. Don Larson, nineteen fifty six, pitched a perfect game for the Yankees. Who was the other team? The team that didn't get on base: the Dodgers, the Giants, the Pirates, or the Cardinals? This is a famous uh, sports tidbit guys so i'm not asking anything obscure not asking you know what uh size shoe that don larson wore anything like that uh so uh give us a call if you know the answer to that hey eric this is one of those times of year when there's so much going on we need a longer show and i want to ask you a question you're a technical guy uh it, we we thank goodness this weekend of all weekends we have an extra hour because we're going to need it we're going to need that extra I hour i need for, that extra hour anytime <laughs> i can get it yeah for all the sports that are going on we're going to need that extra hour we talked all about the world series the mls the nascar the championships going on oh by the way i haven't even mentioned rams versus bucks that's on sunday oh boy sunday uh 3.30 pregame, 4.25 kickoff right here on Talk Radio 96.7 WLKF. Lest we forget, you know, when we think we were, we talked about it all, oh, yeah, the Rams and the Bucks in a huge game this this weekend. So there's just so much going on. But, but listen, Eric, since we've got to have an extra hour anyway, right, we're going to turn back the clock Saturday night, early Sunday morning. Why don't we just do it right now? Is it legal if we just do it right now and I'll just keep the show going? That would be illegal. Why is it illegal? I mean, we're going to turn the clock back in. Let's just pretend it's 8 o'clock now instead of almost 9 o'clock, and, and we'll we'll keep it going. Because there's so much to talk about. 1-1 in the third inning, bottom of the third in the World Series. 7-7 now in Houston, Philadelphia Eagles and, and Houston Texans. So uh, 
A lot going on. Hey, does anybody want to win the sports quiz tonight? Don Larson pitched a perfect game for the Yankees. Who did he pitch it against? Dodgers, Giants, Pirates, or Cardinals? One last chance, 682-1430. Ronnie's back uh, next week. We'll have the whole gang back together. We hope that you can join us then. We appreciate you joining us tonight. Thanks to Mike Huguenin. Thanks to Ryan Thompson for uh, the, the wonderful uh, guests and the information they brought tonight, college football and soccer. and Oh, wonderful weekend for sports. We hope you enjoy it. Thanks for listening to the Ozone. Coach Joe on Talk Radio 96.7 WLKY.